Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's federal law enforcement agency. I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello, welcome back to True Crime Archives, everyone. Dad, we normally talk, well, not maybe not normally, but we talk about genetic genealogy a lot. It so seems far. like it, yeah, it seems like since we've started the podcasting in our discussions, yeah, we've talked about genealogy, DNA, phenotyping, and how it pertains to solving the case, right, and mm-hmm. catching the bad guy, right? Yeah. Today, we're actually talking about genetic genealogy being used to identify a Jane Doe. Yeah, this is pretty neat. So there'll be no stories of cops following someone to throw their cigarette out and catch the DNA. Yeah, unfortunately. That's a pretty cool thing. But uh, real quick, can you explain what a Jane Doe is for those uh, listeners who maybe don't know? Yeah, it's it's just um, they don't... They have the remains of a body and they have not identified them yet. So John Doe, Jane Doe, it's just something that has developed over the years. You know what I didn't know and what I thought was interesting that there was a, there was a second unidentified body found in the same location. So they named her Janet Doe. Yes, that was neat. Yeah. I I didn't know that they would do that. Uh, And I'll briefly mention uh, her in a little bit. For 34 years, there was, um, like I said, two women unidentified, Jane Doe and Janet Doe. And in 2019, both of them are actually identified thanks to genetic genealogy. Today, we are talking about Jane Doe, who has been identified as Audrey Lee Cook. Audrey was born on November 25th, 1955 in Memphis, Tennessee, but ended up moving to the Houston, Texas area in 1976 with her girlfriend. She worked as a mechanic for a golf cart company um, and then for a rent-a-car, both in Houston. She worked for a couple other places, too, uh, but it seemed like she was mostly a mechanic. Yeah, it looks like she was a mechanic. When I read the golf cart company, she was a mechanic at a golf cart company. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know golf carts needed mechanics. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, but I just never thought about it. Yeah, they're being used all day long, every day, so things happen. Tires go flat. Batteries are dead. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I just never thought. I just never realized that golf carts is not something you think about, you know, until you see that someone had that job. I thought that was a cool job. Like I said, she was just identified. So we're going to have somewhat of a timeline for you guys and what happened. But not like a it's not like a cut and dry timeline, if that makes sense. When she moved to Houston, She was really big on writing letters back home to her family, and that's how she communicated with them. So she had been pretty regularly writing back home to her family. She wrote about the weather. She, in one of her last letters, she wrote about how she had gotten a new kitten. Just every everyday life things like that. Now remember, for all our younger listeners, this is the '80s. So writing, this is writing. Writing is. Yeah. Is the equivalent to texting, FaceTime. That's how she contacted her Snapchat, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. December 1985 is going to be the last known contact with her family. So that uh, seems like the last time they got a letter from her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess like 
Did they not have phones? Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't talk about, about yeah, phones. Yeah, I didn't see a phone mentioned once, and I was like, "That's a little. That's a little weird to me." Uh, uh, certainly not cell phones. I didn't. Well, have, yeah, no, not a cell phone. I think we talked about this in another episode. I didn't have my first cell phone until two thousand and four. Really? Yeah, that's so. Yeah. I don't even remember you having a cell phone until we were in Okinawa. Yeah, like two thousand. We were in Texas. Well, you were gone in two thousand four anyway. Yeah, two thousand three. I think. So, so, so when you got a cell phone and then immediately left? No, no. Actually, and then we immediately actually, moved? Actually, it was like 2003. Two or three. Yeah, that's when I first got one. Was it your work phone, though? No, no. I had one of those, too. But, yeah. Oh. So, anyway. I mean, maybe she lived in an apartment. Maybe you couldn't afford a, a phone bill. It seemed like writing was a thing. But this is not unusual. Okay? Right. Today, this might be unusual. But this is not unusual. So, so far, the only suspicious thing the first thing that makes you go hmm mm-hmm. is the last letter was pretty decent and then all of a sudden the letter stopped right and pretty soon after the letter stop i read that her family actually goes to mm-hmm. texas to try and look for her yep um and then her uncle who you said earlier was in law enforcement Yes. Himself. I think he was a police officer in mm-hmm. Tennessee. He goes and tries to find her also, and they yeah, just are a- not able to. A- af- that's after. That's after, because her... Well, we'll get to it, but yeah. He did show up, too. Oh, yeah. I read that short. It was, like, right after she mm-hmm. went missing, like, before they... What's it called? Reported her missing. Uh-huh. December 1985 is the last known contact with her family. A couple months later, February 2nd, 1986... Uh, a body was found uh, off of I-45 and Calder Road, which is known as the Killing Fields. Now, at the time, this body was unidentified. This is Audrey Lee Cook's body. This is her body is found and no one can identify her. There is, which I thought was interesting. There's a bunch of items that are collected near her body, like business cards, keys, shoes, hair, but there was just so much of it that they couldn't really tell what was evidence. And there was also, which I'll get to in a second, there was also a second, another body that was found that same day. So there was just so many things right, that they, they couldn't identify who was what and what right, was they identified. So there was um, the remains of a female that they did identify first, right? So Yes, it was uh, Laura Miller. Laura Miller, right. So that's the one with the, with the dog. No. No? No. Okay, well, I'll get to that one. All right, well, no. So, but they found so she was identified right away in the same area. So, yeah, Laura Miller was found was identified. She was the, right. the other body that was found that day, but Audrey Lee Cook's body was not could not be identified. Yeah, they found her cuz when they were looking when they were over there and they found Laura's body, they then found all right. this other she stuff. She was literally found, like a few hundred Yeah, feet. they found Audrey Cook's uh remains as well. Right. But there was just, I mean, it's in the middle of a field. There's business cards, right. trash, like just things mm-hmm. everywhere. They had no way of really being able to tell and what it, was evidence and right. what wasn't. What was just debris. The case goes cold. Because they don't know. For 30 some years. They don't know who this is, right. Right. And even so they have the a, other. So they have a Jane Doe. Right. They have a Jane Doe, and then they have Laura Miller. There is also, there was another body found, but again, I'm going to get to all yeah, that. Yeah, no, I understand. It, it's hard to go back and forth, you know, to try to stay focused yeah. on this one. But <laughs> this, okay. This one is a little back and forthy. But 
they have no leads in any of these three Nothing. cases, even though two of them are identified and the, you know, there's a Jane Doe. There's no evidence. There's no nothing. This is the 80s. It's it's off of a highway in a yeah. big field. There's not like there's surveillance. It's I-45. It's in the middle of like nowhere, basically. There's a ranch out there. Well, that the field is, right? But it's, right. it's on I-45, which goes from Galveston all the way up to Houston. Houston. So mm-hmm. Galveston is on the on the coast, right on the water. And it goes right up into Houston. Houston's a big a big hub. So it's if you look on the map, I'm looking now, it's like on and off. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's on and off. So uh, it's very possible whoever did this is not even from that particular area, probably from Houston, Galveston. Right. Could be. Uh, and I mean, they didn't make an effort to hide the bodies either. They no, were kind of no. just like out in the open. They were a little bit hidden, but like not buried or anything. Probably not where the murder happened. Right. Uh. So the case, like I mentioned, is cold. And then in 2016, Gina Vogel, she's a detective who works cold cases for the League City mm-hmm. Police Department. And she uh, comes across, you know, Jane Doe, and she is feels very strongly that it, that it needs to be solved. At least the identification of her needs to be solved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they ex- she extracts new DNA from Audrey's body. Well, you you can't. It's going to be hard to investigate if you don't know anything about the victim. If you don't know a background, right. if you don't know who they they associated with, you don't know what they were into, where they worked. La- you have to identify the the victim. Yeah, that makes sense. So they extract new DNA from Audrey's body. They're also doing it from the. I mentioned there was another unidentified body. They're doing it fr- um, from both of them at the same time, but we're specifically talking about Audrey. So they extract the DNA from her body to do phenotyping, as we've talked about before, with the Parabon Nanolabs. And the phenotyping, again, to remind everyone, is like a picture, right? They're just, they're pulling her DNA to put together what she might have looked like. And remember, they can skin color, Mm -hmm. freckles, freckles, also also like size, too, like medium built, you know... Uh, th- that kind of stuff. Well, um, and if you look at it, it actually says the percentage of correctness. What's the word? Percentage of accuracy. 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 Yeah. Geez, I couldn't think of the word. So it's here. Let me. I have it right here. And we did this before, where we put up a um bef- uh, a phenotype poster, and then the uh, um the after post. It was on that the uh, army case. Mm-hmm. So I'll post this too. And this actually has the, the snapshot actually has her actual picture on it too. Mm-hmm. So it's right there. It's, I think it's pretty accurate, but it says, so like it's for the, the skin color. It says fair, very fair, 80.2% confidence. That's the word I was thinking. Not yeah, brown or dark brown, 99% confident. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's there. It's more accurate on what she's not. Because then when it goes to eye color, it says, you know, 86% confident that she has blue-green eyes. But there's a 99% confidence she has does not have brown eyes. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it that's gives neat. more of a confidence of what she doesn't have. Um, and then it also kind of says the ancestry and genealogy, too. So it was able to tell them that she was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool, too. I didn't realize it did that. Yeah, I, that, I don't really get how they track that back, but they, they do. And it also says Northern European, Tennessee. So I I thought that was pretty cool. 
So they get the phenotyping done, which produces the picture of what Jane Doe could look like. So Gina Vogel enters the info into different genealogy databases uh, like GEDmatch. I believe GEDmatch, it was specified that they used GEDmatch again. So they enlist the help of the FBI. Uh, so they're helping them. They also take the skulls and send them to a university in Texas that do, does 3D composites to mm-hmm. help with the phenotyping and to help with the genealogy to kind of have a better picture. Yeah, so that's like the uh, f- uh, forensic anthropology maybe or something, mm-hmm. I think, if I recall. So, yeah, so they build a little, like, bust or something. or Which they did in the... Remember they did that yeah. in... What's his name? Yeah, I, I don't even remember, remember his name. So, that, like, cheekbones, things like that. Nose. That, that John kind of, List. Yeah, that's right. Same, yeah. That, yeah. So now they, they do that. And they're getting a phenotype. Yep, and well. then and then the Jed match too. There's so now they're working with genealogy also. Okay, well, so, but the, fir- the first two are probably to get some sort of photo or, s- right. or some sort of sketch or good composite to say to put out there. Anybody yes. seen this person? The genealogy now they're trying to track back to some offspring, some relative, somebody that they can they can track it back to. Right. To say, hey, is this your relative? So the actual phenotype, her actual like composite drawing was completed in May of 2016. And then in April of 2018 is when they are able to find a, f- a relative, a family member uh, using the genetic genealogy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually an FBI agent that finds a cousin, like a first cousin with yeah. the same last name, um, Cook, in Tennessee. So he gives that to Gina, and she pulls out the Google so, and starts Googling. And, and by the way, for all those skeptics out there or the people that disaggravates, they, in our research, they never identify the name of, right. of the, the person that the genealogy... Um, now, do they have some show later on and they... they I was going to say, they, except for that one with y- the sun. Yeah, yeah you know, and they, and they agree to do that. But when you do your research, research on this type of thing... They never disclose. Uh, it's right. That's the least name that we always. Uh, that's yeah. the, the thing that we don't have the most usually. So okay. Yeah, I never can find names on anything. But they they have a family name, somebody in the lineage, and with the Gina, last name with, Cook. Yes, with the yeah. last name Cook. So, like I said, Gina Vogel just pulls out the internet and starts searching for people with that last name in Tennessee. Good and detective work, by the way. Yeah. It just so happens she was also there's which it's unsolved, but it's not like the normal unsolved. Yeah, it's and just it's on unsolved. Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have an episode dedicated mm-hmm. to the killing fields. Mm-hmm. So it's this is like a small portion at the end. And Gina is super passionate. Like when you watch it, you, you'll hear her talk. It You get all emotional mm-hmm. and sad because she's super invested well, and she brought job. The, and she brought the remains. That part made me cry. Yeah, she brought the remains cry. to the family once. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. But, yeah. Oh, there it is. I am. I did it personally. I, yeah, I she's jumped awesome. ahead again. As as always. At the same time that this is happening, she's getting the name. She's researching potential people with the last name Cook in Tennessee. Audrey's aunt. At the same time, this is happening happens to see on the news the phenotype of Jane Doe, mm-hmm. which is her niece. Mm-hmm. And she immediately recognizes it. 
specifically, Audrey Lee Cook had a very prominent like gap in between mm-hmm. her front teeth. And I, there was a part of her bone structure, like her cheeks looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job. Mm-hmm. So her aunt immediately recognizes her and calls the police department. Now, he, here's the thing, too. Remember, so her aunt sees this mm-hmm. and is well aware that her niece has been missing since the 80s. So From this area, too. Right. So I'm, I'm, what I'm curious about is what, what percentage does she believe it was, it was her? You know what I mean? Probably the gap in the teeth was like, you know what? I think, yeah. That's this has got to be her. Let's let me. Let, yeah, this has got to be her. Yeah, I. And so I was actually thinking about this last night. If I were to see one of these phenotypes, because it is essentially an animation, right? It does mm-hmm. look like it's an animated version of the person. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about this. If I had someone missing in my life and I saw a phenotype on the com- the TV, would I immediately go? go there would i immediately recognize that person i don't know that i would i you that's unless you it was a neighbor relative I, i'm yeah. pretty sure because she had her niece's picture you know she was handing it out she's trying to find her so yeah she at this point you know so 85 to 16 um mm-hmm. or, or you know i'm pretty sure she looked at that picture and said uh it's here let's let's with, call especially with the gap and, yeah. and and it being in the same area, yeah. I maybe, but all right. So she know, calls. That would, that she called the police. Yeah, she calls them. And she says what? And she says, "Hey, I have a niece that went missing at this time in this area, mm-hmm. and they test the DNA." What happened to the cousin though? What What about that? I don't think that ever panned out because because Audrey's aunt reached out to yeah, her. Yeah, they don't they don't talk about that. Yeah. But cuz so, she was searching the family's name and then Audrey's aunt reached yeah. out to her at the same time and was like, "No, that like this is my niece." So just to remind our listeners, so what would have happened? They would have tracked that cousin that down. Cousin back. They would have kind of compared DNA. Asked them for their DNA. And, and yeah, asked them for the DNA and they probably would have they probably would have linked linked her. Now whether that person knew the name of the person, you know, they they probably were heading in that direction. It just was fast forwarded when the aunt says, "Oh, hold on." So, they went two routes, and one of them worked. Actually, the phenotyping worked. Yeah, surprisingly, um, it ended up being the phenotyping. It was yeah. kind of both of them working at the same time. Yeah, they would have found Audrey's aunt and cousin. It probably just would have mm-hmm. taken another few weeks, if not a couple months. But yeah, it. All so right. that's why they. I think that's smart that they do the phenotyping first, and get yeah. that composite out. How long after does it say how long after they told the aunt, hey, this guess what? This yeah, we I didn't find anything that said it. It sounds like it was relatively fast that Mm -hmm. they were able to connect her and then Mm -hmm. bring her remains home. So like you said, Gina Vogel personally flew Audrey's remains home. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they met in the parking lot of the funeral home. Okay. And yeah, it was really sad. That part made me cry. They identified her when? What year? Two sixteen? Seventeen. No, January, January, January of two, January 29th, oh. uh, 2019. Okay, so so three years go by, all this phenotyping and, and, and genealogy and stuff, and then they identify her. Okay, all right. Um, it does say that there were additional family matches, so mm-hmm. it looks like they didn't just test one of the family no, members. I started thinking about that they, after I made they that comment. T- yeah, they tested all of like, multiple family members, and they still created the family tree. Mm-hmm. So Audrey's aunt reached out. It just it helped. They still did all the testing. It just helped fast forward the process. So thirty-four years. 
And they did collect DNA from the son and sister. Oh, that's Janet Doe. Never mind. And the family. So, it kinda, so yeah, it doesn't it, mention it, Jane, it, Jane Doe's son. It so it's almost like they Audrey's have son. they have DNA and they have a witness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So the good news is now the League City Police Department th- has a victim with a name, right? And but now they got to figure out what what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And they they don't really have a whole lot of information. They just have like her employ employment history. I don't even think they have like a a medical examiner report. Not that I had seen. Yeah, cause of death. The only thing that I've ever been able to find are these bullet points that are on that poster, okay. which is she's her age. They talk about that she sold and used cocaine. Yeah, and then you her know, employment that's history. Like a, that's almost like a throwaway comment. You yeah, know? I don't understand why that's. It, somebody heard that and they said, "Well, we better we better say something." But Just here's in the case. thing. Here's the thing. There's all there's all these other young ladies that were found in the same place. You know, I think it's highly unlikely that. They all went there and committed suicide, or uh, it's probably homicide. It's probably murder. Right. You know. I don't think. Yeah. I don't but think now drugs have anything to so, do with it. So now uh, it could, but now they have to figure out what happened. So they know who Jane Doe is, and uh, Janet Doe. Janet Doe was identified. So I told you guys that there were two mm-hmm. unidentified bodies. Janet Doe is identified as Donna Prudhomme, and they're identified at the same time. Right. They, they were doing this. We just happen to be focusing on um, Audrey, Audrey right. Cook. Um, but yes, so now there's now there's three from that killing field? Four. four. So now we're going to really talk about the killing fields, and I'm going to explain all of that and all of okay. the four different women. Um, all right, so mind gotta- you, I'm going to say that during the police investigations, every time a body was found the po- in this area, this specific l- area, the police do believe that all four of these bodies are connected. Yeah, they think I, I that find the it same hard to person. believe that they're not connected. Right. Um, you know, off of the highway, mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to bet that that's not the place that, that it happened. I'm willing to bet that they were dumped there. But yeah. that's weird. This is a very well. sloppy serial killer. Um, if, if, if I don't think it's likely that four, four bad guys who just decided mm-hmm. to go out and kill somebody by chance, found the same place to dump a body. I, I don't think that... Right. I don't think that is, is possible. I agree. Also, this stretch of highway, so you mentioned that it's I-45 goes between Galveston and Houston. Right. So now the killing fields is just this small just little small field patch, off right. of Calder Road. However, on this entire stretch of highway, there's been... Um, upwards of 30 victims, yep. all female between the ages of 12 and 30 years old, um, between 1971 and 2002. Yeah, so you you can you you may hear I-45 killer, the mm-hmm. killing fields. You might hear it. So if you if our listeners wanted to go Google killing fields, wait, I thought Stephen Hannah was talking about Audrey Cook. Keep keep looking because there's four there. Right. But then if you if you end up with I-45. Texas serial killer or killer it's it's the same you'll you'll mm-hmm. find Audrey Cook in within that group too but yeah right. so that we didn't even dive into that That's, yeah I have a little bit of yeah go ahead uh it's been described like this entire part this entire highway has been described as the bloodiest stretch of highway in America mm. because of this wow that's crazy I honestly never heard of it so that's 
That's really crazy. But specifically, the small por- portion of um, the killing fields where we're at off of Calder Road, four bodies were found, not buried, just hidden. So all four of them were not buried. Uh, April 1984 is the first is when the first body is found. It's 25 year old Heidi Fry. Her body was actually found. Now, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm going to say there was conflicting articles that I read. One article, a couple articles said that it was actually her family dog, which this is really eerie. But then another no, it, article it, 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 I read just said it was a dog. No, it's how it was written. I, I know what you're talking about. It was a family's dog, right? Was it? It wasn't like a stray dog. It was. It but was it was written. brought back to her home. No, it was brought. No, it was a family's dog. Brought the remains back to their home. Okay, their, yeah, their, it, it was that written makes poorly. Sense. The way it was written, I read it like no, it was, okay, it was written poorly. You so. guys, so her, yeah, the her remains are found. A, a family, a dog brings the remains home. The way I read it, Dad, mm-hmm. was that her dog brought her remains back to her house because she didn't live that far away. Y- yeah. So when I read that, I was like, No, oh my God, I that's I read that at first too. It it, it was it's awful. It was a family's dog okay. brought the remains back to their home. That makes me feel a little you know, bit better. It was, it was written poorly. Yeah. So there was a couple things like that that was yeah, written yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a dog finds her. It was her skull that I read because mm-hmm. the houses, it wasn't very far from the fields at all. So the police mm-hmm. were able to find her body shortly after the dog brought mm-hmm. her remains home. So that's April 1984. Then February 2nd, 1986, two children are playing in this area. And that's when they find the body of Laura Miller and Audrey Lee Cook, who was like we said, unidentified yeah. at the time. Now, Laura Miller had been missing for 17 months at this point. She had gone missing from a corner store. And her dad has been very active in this entire investigation. He also believes that all four girls are related, that they have the same murderer. Yeah. He he was very excited uh, when Audrey Lee Cook and Donna were identified in mm-hmm. 2019. He said he thinks that this is going to, you know, jumpstart the investigation. Yeah. He's been involved with uh, making organizations, nonprofits. Like he, he's there's very active. Hel- yeah. There was, um, some, there's a website. There's some group about, yeah, I'll post about the group okay. that he does. I didn't, I, I wasn't focused on getting all no, that no, information right, down, right, but right. yeah, he, yeah, he is very active. He was very, very excited. I saw a tweet that he was, he was just so yeah. excited about it. But for the purpose of this, the, the killing fields of those four. Mm-hmm. The killing field, right, is is those four just off of Calder Road. Off of Calder Road, but Calder Road is off of I forty five, and there's a, a much larger picture I forty five killer, I guess. Right, it's kind of again yeah. like the Route twenty nine stalker. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, mul- yeah. We actually, have a couple yeah, convictions. Actually yeah, actually, yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah, there's already been a couple convictions, so it's not necessarily just one person on right. all of I forty five. But we're not going to get into all those right. details. That's, there's too many. Yeah, but we do think that there's one person for Calder Road. Yeah, yeah. They- then 1991, the fourth victim is found. This is going to be the Janet Doe, who is Donna Prudhomme. 1991, the fourth victim is found by two people on horseback, mm-hmm. which I don't, three bodies have already been found. Why are you guys? Why, why are you is anyone? Out? Yeah. <laughs> why is anyone near this field? Well, they may not know. Because Unless they don't, they may not watch the news. Well, there's a ranch that lives. You've never seen the police over there. Here's the thing. I think it's weird. This is what's kind of sad about this. You know, these. 
These poor girls were unknown. I, I bet it didn't even make the main page of the newspaper. You yeah. know? Probably not. Which is really sad. Mm. Okay. Those are the four victims yep. from that stretch of the killing fields, that stretch of off of Calder Road. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been a couple confessions and a couple convictions. Right. So this is these are cold cases, right? Right. Okay. Right. The, all four of these are cold cases. I mean, the last two were just identified. So now right. they're they're trying to put it together. But they do believe that it is one person. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of the suspects' convictions and the very last one, which I think did it. <laughs> In 1972, Michael Lloyd Self actually confesses to the murders of Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. Now, these are victims from I, the I-45, right? Not right. Calderfield, o- just other, I-45 in general. Other than the killing field, right. Right. And this is why these people are suspects, because they have ties to this entire stretch. So mm-hmm. it's not an unreasonable thing to think that they could have come down as far as Calder Road. Uh, he confesses this after hours of interrogation. He was convicted and received a life sentence. However, he recanted his confession multiple times, saying he had been tortured into confessing, going as far as saying the detectives had suffocated him with a plastic bag. This is for the for the original two murders. For Sharon for, Shaw yeah, and that, Rhonda Johnson, uh, yeah, okay. the right. off of I-45, okay. not the Calderfield. Uh, there was a lot of discrepancies in his stories with the dates of the murders and even the location, which is interesting because he actually helped the police find the bodies. Mm-hmm. He like showed them where they were, but there was still discrepancies in that. Uh, after his conviction, the police chief and de- and one of his deputies were actually arrested for torturing suspects and convicted. And Michael Self died on December 21st, 2000, still in prison. Later after his death, police officials... Uh, including the DA, would come out and say that they do believe he was wrongly convicted. Right, what does that so have to do with our case? Ju- I'm talking about the suspects. How was he a suspect in this case, though? Because he confessed to murdering two other girls right. on the i So he's a I'm person of interest. About, yeah, yeah, you're yeah right. I'm okay. talking about persons of interest and he, suspects. He's killed somebody else off of I-45. Yes. Remember, we did this with the Route 29 stalker. I talked mm, about the yeah. different no, people. No, I'm just... Like, you're convicting him already. I'm not convicting him. All right, go. What's the next one? How was that me convicting him? <laughs> I said he was wrongly convicted. <laughs> all right. I, you literally don't listen so to me. So he must be the killer of all of them then, right? Is no, that I didn't say that. Okay. Earlier, I said the very last one I was going to talk about is the one that I think did it. Okay, all right. Next one. <laughs> Edward Harold Bell. He was convicted murderer and predator sentenced to 70 years. He wrote letters to the Harris to a Harris County attorney in 1998 saying he murdered five girls in 1971 and six more between 1974 and 1977. He said he didn't know the names of most of the girls, but that he had, in fact, murdered Debbie Ackerman, Mariah, Maria Johnson, Colette Wilson, Kimberly Pitchford and Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw, which are the two that uh, what's his name? Michael Self was convicted of. Okay. He was never charged with any of these murders for lack of evidence, but he remained a prime suspect until he died in April of 2019. So there's a possibility there. Suspect. Uh, William Lewis Reese is convicted with a 60-year sentence of kidnapping and attempted murder of Sandra Seppo 
2015, DNA matched him to the murder of Tiffany Johnston. And then he confessed to killing Jessica Kane and Kelly Cox um, and led the investigators to their bodies. And he was just convicted this year in Tiffany Johnson's murder and sentenced to death. He's still going to be tried for the other murders, and they're still going to seek the death penalty in those cases, too. So, again, another potential suspect. However, this person that I'm going to talk about now, he is serving more than two life sentences. He actually talks about Donna Prudhomme. He actually confesses to killing her, So, which was the Janet Doe, right? So, Mark Stallings, he is serving two life sentences. Another article I read said like 500 years for kidnapping and attempted prison escape. He ends up confessing to killing Donna Prudhomme. He confesses in 2013. um, And you know her, like I mentioned, her remains were found in 1991. So he never actually like says her name. He just, Mm -hmm. he says that it was her, the, the one that was found in 1991. He alludes that it was her. He was living in League City near some of the girls found in the killing fields. So he lived in that area and he worked on a ranch in Mm -hmm. that area. He provided details and consistency in all of his uh, confessions because he confessed multiple times. But he has not been charged with any of these murders. Like I said, the police believe that all four bodies are related. So Mm -hmm. he's definitely still a prime suspect, but there's just no evidence but he yeah. confesses he confesses in a letter he went on an interview with a news reporter and went on like the air and confessed mm. it's really creepy yeah there's, there's problems with all these guys confessions mm-hmm. you know the first guy recanted it actually the first and second guy confessed to killing the same girl yeah um so there's problems credibility problems with all these guys and here's the other thing too Remember, these are skeletal remains, so there's no other evidence. There's no DNA evidence. Y- you know, I don't think they have clothing or anything like that. They, uh, there's, there's no other evidence. They have to. It's fine. Just that, like the small things that were found around them mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier, like the business cards. Yeah, so it's it's possible that now the police are are putting that all together. Okay, what can we can we try to get DNA off of off of any of these things? Uh, a, a different profile. You know, and this this guy, everybody's dead except the last guy, right? Yeah. You know, that, that's the only thing they could probably be doing. They're probably going to need some eyewitnesses or some people to, pl- they have to place these guys at the crime scene, you know, at the scene where they found them. They have to connect them somehow. And just confessing to something that's been cold for 30 years, you know, I don't know. That's a that's a he's tough one. Been confessing yeah. for close to thirty years. Well, he's though. probably on the list still, but they have to put it all together now. You yeah, know? he's. I mean, he's. So he writes letters to a uh, a friend of his that used to be in prison with him, and the friend was like interviewed, and the friend was like, "He's absolutely guilty. Indict him." Yeah, you know, and, and they <laughs> maybe like, maybe they're maybe they're, since they just identified um, some of these people, maybe they're. You know, going back to him and say, okay, how did you meet her? When did you meet her? You know, they got to tie that all together. And that's possibly what's going on now. But with with no, yeah, no names, they didn't, they didn't know. But especially Prudhomme, he he said Prudhomme. So he does deny having anything to do with the other three, though. Yeah, that's, that's, 
he Do you see this is this is silly. This is weird. So before they go in to interview him, they're probably going to put try to develop a big background, his background, his history. How long has he been in jail for? Where was he growing up? Where was he living? Did he ever travel here? That's uh, going to be a hard one, but it seems pretty promising because, like I said, he lived and worked. He worked on a ranch, literally, like right in the area, and he lived in that city. He was, yeah. That's that's goes against what I said. I I think it actually was somebody that wasn't from the area. But if he was from the area, and he maybe he did know that, like where he was hiding them, they wouldn't be found as easily. Yeah. So and maybe if it, we're not them on the way back to get on the highway, playing yeah. and like horseback riding. You know yeah. what I mean? That's a good point. Did he? Did he, he dump knew. the bodies and then get back on the highway, you know? Yeah. But again, there's like no surveillance or anything. There's no, there, yeah, there's, there's really nothing. no way. There's yeah. nothing. So it's and the be police, the police officer, the detective, he was talking about it um, on the news about Mark Stallings' confection, con- confection, <laughs> confession. And he said, he was like, you know, people can confess to murders all they want, but we have to have evidence to convict them just because they say they did something doesn't mean we can take right. them to court because for it. here's what happens when somebody confesses you always have to get evidence cooperate because as soon as you get the as soon as they get their lawyer right cuz mm-hmm. if they're confessing to you that means they've waived their right to remain silent and they waived their right to an attorney and you are talking to them asking them questions and they're confessing shortly after you're done with them they're going to get a lawyer and the lawyer is going to say, well, what do you mean? You told them what? Well, w- will they coercion you? And then what's going to happen that first day in the court, they're going to say, I withdraw my confession. I-, I felt compelled. I felt pressured, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then you have nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have any evidence to back that up, you you got nothing. That makes sense. You got someone who's not credible. They said they did it and they said they didn't do it. Right. Kind of like the first guy. He he confessed and recanted and confessed and recanted. Goes back and forth. So, I don't know. Mark Stalling seems promising to me mm-hmm. because he was he knew the area. All right. But so it's still an active investigation uh specifically for these four women. Yes. So his name is important to put out there too then if somebody might know. How old is he? I didn't deep dive into how old he was, okay. to be honest. Well, if he was old enough to kill somebody, he's in his 50s for sure. You know, because the girls would have would have been in their 50s. They would have been older than that. Donna and yeah. Audrey were in their 30s when they were both murdered. Oh, so they would have been... Audrey was 30 and Donna was 34. So 60s, right. So mm-hmm. 60s, yep, 60s. Mm-hmm. Laura Miller was younger, I believe. So this is going to be one of those things for our listeners. Maybe you have a family member in their 50s or 60s that had a friend. Or maybe you are a friend. Or maybe you're a family member. And this is going to jar your, your memory. Or you're going to share it with the story with somebody. Especially if you're from Texas. Yeah, we're going to post all of the pictures and all the information and everything. Galveston, Houston. Anyway, so it's important to get this out there that, you know, it's an active investigation. The police are looking for people who might remember seeing Audrey or Donna or any of the four girls, Laura. And how do they who do they call then? What do they do if they have information? So if you have any information regarding this case or any of the other three girls, 
please contact the cold case unit at the League City Police Department at 281-338-8220. And I'll post that on the so all of the social media also. So make sure you guys are following us there. But yeah, is that it? I think that was really... Yeah, that's a good one. It's cold case. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of our listeners knows somebody and knows something or... Or can look at the photos and things that you post online and, and they can give the police department a lead. That'd right. be cool. Yep. That's why we wanted to do this one. Yep. Talk about this one. Thank you guys for sticking with us today. I think that's all we have for this one. Yep. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'm going to post everything on the Instagram and we're on Twitter now. I know I've said that the last like three times, but just as a reminder. So you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. We post all of the pictures, you know, the phenotyping, anything related to the episode we're talking about that day. We post, especially when I say I'll post something. And then we do some like fun little regular updates mm-hmm. and just fun little pictures. I posted yesterday some, you know, pictures of us in Texas <laughs> when I was younger. And then on Twitter, we are TC Archives on Twitter. Pod? Is it pod? Is it TC Archives pod? Pull out your phone. <laughs> Listen, I just did this. Twitter's new. And our True Crime Archives was not available on Twitter. <laughs> so Dad's pulling it up. TC Archives pod. Okay, you're right. <laughs> TC yeah. Archives pod on Twitter. And then if you guys could go give us a rate and review on apple you can also do one on anchor but do one on apple for us we appreciate seeing everything you guys say but also this is gonna you know kind of boost us up get us seen or heard from more people um, and maybe we can get this case heard from a lot more people and any other case we do like this so go ahead and give us a rate and review we'll read them we appreciate you guys And I think that's all that I have. Yep. Thanks for listening this week. Yep. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Bye.